the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Kev, I know for sure that you hate roller coasters or any kind of rides for that matter. Not a fan. Um, are you like, do you have any aversion to birds or like, is it cause you problems to watch Alfred birds? Hitchcock movies? No, birds. The birds. No, or birds are anything? cool. We have a hummingbird feeder on our porch. I oh, love watching cool. them. No, okay, I'm, I'm well, cool with birds. Uh, this girl had, it was basically like your worst fear of a ride because it wasn't a roller coaster. It was like this drop ball thing and it like springs back. A ride combined with Alfred Hitchcock, the bird. So she goes to an amusement park with her friend for her birthday, and a seagull landed on her chest. <laughs> and so they're like screaming. She's like, ah! and she looks down and she like gets the seagull off of her. Here, here's how she reacted. I waited till we spun over and then I quickly took it off of me because I didn't know if it was going to hurt me. The only thing that happened to me was a little tiny cut. That was all. Just a little cut. <laughs> but the seagull, you can see it flying away. And so dad, of course, had to buy the video that oh, goes with daughter. the ride. I wonder how long it took for the whole thing to happen. The goal landing on her, her freaking out. Oh, I watched the video. To- it's like three seconds that's it and then she spends the whole rest of the ride trying to tell her bestie what happened to her (laughs) and her friend finally says stop talking and she said it's because she thought she was going to throw up and she was too busy screaming and she's like just stop talking about seagulls oh it's such a fun story Uh, that would be my biggest nightmare right someone convinced me to get on that ride and then that would happen yeah knew this was a bad idea Coming up, how a police officer's quick thinking and born identity type moves saved somebody's life. This is your guaranteed to put you in a good mood story of the day. A police officer's quick thinking and born identity like moves ended up saving someone's life. Officer Ronald Kennedy was an EMT before he joined the police force in New York City. And recently, he stumbled upon a stabbing victim... And he yelled for someone to go get it to a nearby bodega and grab him a bag of chips and a roll of tape. Does that sound born identity MacGyver or what? He dumped out the chips and sealed off the man's lungs so that he could breathe. No Completely kidding. saved his life. The commanding officer praised Officer Kennedy saying, who knew that one of my guys would have a MacGyver moment? Wow. Yeah. So he took a bag of chips. Dumped empty, out the chips. Emptied them out. Taped used- it to the chest. Wow. And then he could it sealed off the air and he could breathe. Wow. Because he had been stabbed. When the guy came to, he said, I don't know why I'm craving Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> Man, clock's ticking on summertime, isn't it? A lot of people oh, trying yeah. to cram in maybe one last family road trip in before the summer's over. And here's what I'm wondering. Think back to when you were a kid, or maybe it's been recent. What is the longest family road trip you have ever been on and what i mean by long it doesn't just have to be miles the one that comes to mind for me is miles but it could be you just went to the beach a couple hours away but had car problems got lost something what is the longest road trip you have ever been on with your family we'd love to hear the story so we're talking about the great american 
road trip, heading out on the road with the family. And they all start with great intentions, right? Oh, In yeah. your imagination, you and your peeps are having the time of your life just out on the open highway, right? You're seeing all the sights. You're eating great food. You're laughing. You're playing road trip games, right? That whole deal. But all you need is like one traffic jam or one kid asking to use the potty like for the 15,000th time <laughs> that will send you into a tailspin with the whole thing. And I got to say, my dad has got a special place in heaven for taking all of us, me, my mom, and my brother, on a road, and my aunt and uncle went with us on a road trip from Whoa. Baltimore, Maryland to North Dakota and back. That's a full car for that far of a trip. Oh my goodness. That's like a you, you stop a couple of times and spend the night getting there. Oh yeah. That was a long way. Long drive. And my dad bought a Ford LTD Country Squire station wagon with the simulated wood grain paneling specifically for the trip. That thing got like four miles to the gallon. We were stopping to fill up, it seemed like, every hour. That's good, because if anyone has to go to the bathroom, they know there's just a gas station right around the corner. And back then, they, you didn't have the little digital readout that told you exactly how many miles till empty. Uh-oh. So my mom, and back then, too, my dad and my uncle sat in the front seat. My mom and my aunt sat in the back seat, but my mom could see the gas gauge. So she'd start complaining right when it got down to about a quarter of a tank. That's like the thing I remember the most about that trip was my mom at a quarter of a tank. So my Uncle Nelson would start going right when it got down to a quarter of a tank. He'd start going, feed me, feed me. Gosh. There's only so many times that that's funny. Yeah. Like the first 20, it was funny. But after that, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't so much. But that was the longest road trip we ever went on. My brother and I way back in the flip up seats in the back of the station wagon going all the way. And the air conditioning had no hope of getting back oh. there. Oh my gosh, it was hot. It was so hot. Which I think maybe my dad did that on purpose because the heat and the sound of the wheels and the motion of the road would make us fall asleep. Oh yeah. And I was only like six or seven, so I'd be out like a light most of the time. Yeah, so. I can tell you about some epic road trips that my family of seven took <laughs> when I was a kid All in right. just a minute. All right, it's coming up next. We're talking about packing up the whole family and heading out on the road for the Great American Road Trip. My wife and our kids, man, we headed out a bunch of those with our kids. And when we would go to the beach, we'd have to take two vehicles because we couldn't fit with all the boogie boards and towels and buckets and everything, and the dogs. Wow. We'd have to take the minivan That's a and the car. We packed all seven of us into one station wagon. <laughs> and uh, somebody always had to sit in what we called the way back. Yep. Um, there were no seats back there. There were no seat belts. It was just, just a bed. Around. Yeah, you just roll around. There was no seat belts. If, you, if we were having a car accident, that was it. Right. <laughs> so uh, dad would put what was called a car co- top carrier on top of the car oh, man. for all the luggage. And then the people who sat in the way back, you also had to make room for various luggage and the big giant cooler because we had our own breakfast and lunch. And you, you could get the back car. there and you wouldn't see the people in the front of the car until you got to the, wherever it is you were going because the luggage would be stacked so high, right? Uh, or did Dad they stack would make it, it so back? we could climb back and forth between the seat because we'd take turns. Oh, that's safe. Like, it's your turn. <laughs> climb back there. I've been up, I've been back here long enough. But the probably the most infamous are some of the... The motorhome rentals mm-hmm. we had. We had one where 
the table also, you know, it was like looked like a booth, a restaurant booth. Okay. And then at night it would drop down and it would become a bed with you put a cushion on it. Yeah. And one time mom had it completely set for dinner and it collapsed oh, with man. the entire oh, meal no. on it. <laughs> and then we had another motorhome we rented that the, you, you had to take everything out of the refrigerator every night and turn it upside down and burp it. What? Or otherwise it would stop working. Yeah. And we call this vacation. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're having fun, aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> I know. I'd love to I'd love to go hang out on the beach with you guys, but I got to burp the fridge. <laughs> That's awful. Are police officers ever really off-duty? I don't think so. Just listen to this story. An off-duty police officer rescued a two-year-old from drowning after hearing screams five doors down when he was hanging out at home. Officer Brian Wilson lives in Columbus, Ohio. Mary and Stephen and their daughter Carmela were staying a couple doors down at a friend's house because they had just moved to Columbus and uh, they were, you know, just going to look for a place and stay there. So they get home, groceries, let the dog out. And Mary noticed, wait a minute, it's way too quiet. And you know that's a problem when you're mm-hmm. a parent. Mm-hmm. She ran outside and saw Carmela floating face down in the pool, and her lips were already blue. I screamed for help at the top of my lungs over it and over again. I heard another scream, which that time I actually clearly heard, help me. Thank God Officer Brian heard her screaming because he ran over and started CPR while Mary prayed over and over mm. that God would take her instead of her daughter. Mm. And thankfully, they're all fine. And uh, Brian said he only, he got choked up on camera when he drove home from work and his kids were playing with Carmela outside mm. because it was such a beautiful moment. Coming up, think about this for a minute. What's one of the worst parenting mistakes you've ever made? <laughs> Hey, it's easy to do as a parent. You make a mistake and you feel like a total failure for just that one mishap. So to make you feel better, parents have shared their epic parent fails. So I got three good ones for you. Sandy thought it was a crazy hair day at school. So she sent her five-year-old in a clown wig. Um, it was actually dress for success day and all the kids were in like bow ties and dresses. Anna forgot it was picture day. So her son's school pictures were in his Spider-Man costume. And finally, epic parent failed. Jane's daughter complained while her kindergarten zoom class was going, mom, why do I have to eat my breakfast off a paper to play a paper towel, not a, pa- a plate. I want a plate. And she just like got so annoyed. She's like, every single dish is dirty and I'm not doing the dishes right now. Just deal with your paper towel. Uh-huh. And she didn't know her daughter didn't have her on mute. <laughs> so the te- the kindergarten teacher and all the other parents heard her laziness and her anger. I'm not washing a plate. Eat off the paper towel. Is there something that you have an irrational fear of? Like, it's just like debilitating. I learned that my neighbor has one. Hmm. (laughs) It was on full display for me the other day. I'll tell you what happened next. How about you? Do you have any irrational fears? I mean, some people are afraid of heights. Some people clowns. Well, uh, some friends of ours, they live across the street. We moved into the neighborhood at the exact same time. In fact, they wanted our house initially Hmm. And we were in a bidding war with each other, pretty much, I guess, like, sort of. I mean, bottom line is when we said, can you fix this, this, and this? They said, oh, no, we have another couple lined up. And we found out it was them. (laughs) 
kidding. <laughs> people who now are friends. <laughs> yeah. And they love their house. They oh, that's the good. one they bought um, across the street. But so they had us over for the very first time since we've all been neighbors. And the uh, going over involved a tour. Because they you know, we knew we both moved in at the same time and they're like, Oh, let us show you the house. So we're on this tour and like somehow the guys and the gals got split up and and me and my neighbor were down in her basement and I watched with curiosity, she watched with horror as the teeniest, tiniest scorpion I've ever seen just was kinda like crawling near the wall and then disappeared behind the light plate, like the plate that Ooh. is in front of a light switch. And her husband's name happens to be John. And she goes, John! John! And then it got more and more frantic. And she's like, John! 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 And it's just like, I'm minimizing it. As it's crawling behind the plate. And I at first I thought it was a joke. And she is that petrified of any kind of insects, including this little tiny scorpion, that she screams for her husband every time. <laughs> and later I found out from my husband, they were sitting there and they started hearing her yelling and John just looked over at Glenn and he goes, she found a bug. <laughs> like that calm, like, excuse me, I got to go. He's like, oh, do what you got to do, man. And apparently she knows every single person at her pest control company because if she sees one little thing, she calls up the troops and like they, they all have to come back. They have her flagged. <laughs> yes. when, she, when that when that, her number comes up, they're all like, oh, okay, who's getting it this time? But I was more like, oh, wow, I, I don't think I've ever seen a scorpion that small. It must be a baby. And she was petrified. So how about you? What are you irrationally afraid of? Is it bugs like my neighbor? We'd love to hear from you. So we're talking about fear, stuff that you're afraid of. Taylor's neighbor, petrified of bugs. And uh, boy, I've got, a, I've got a bunch of them for me. Roller coasters, I have been on one in my entire life. It was when I was 24 years old, and I had not been on one before, and I will never get on one again. Wow. The only reason I got on it was so I could, I could go to my grave saying, I did it. <laughs> That's the only reason I got on one. I uh, roller coasters are so fun. don't like rides. Um... I'm not scared of heights, but if I were ever to go to like, I don't know, the type of the, the top of the space needle in Seattle with you, it would take me a minute to get comfortable walking out to the edge. Okay. Like, My sister's scared. like that. It just, it she just hates takes heights. Me a, I, it's not that I hate heights. I don't mind being up there. Mm-hmm. It just takes me a minute to get comfortable. I don't know if it's with the idea like, okay, it's not falling down. <laughs> I, I don't know what yeah. it is. It just takes me a sec. But then the big one for me still, and it's not fear. I mean, I can be around them. I just don't like them. Uh, clowns. I just ju- goes back I to your childhood, right? Don't like clown. Never have, never will. What are they hiding? That's yeah. the thing with me. It's like, why does someone feel the need to disguise themselves that much? I just like people to be upfront <laughs> and you know, trying to you make s- you smile. What you see is what you get. <laughs> they can do that without all the craziness, without the red wig and the, the over the top makeup and the and with giant shoes and the whole. I'm getting like like nervous just talking about them. I don't like. I clowns. have an irrational fear of creepy dolls. I can't stand them. And like to watch any of those movies where the doll comes to life. No, <laughs> no way. There ain't no way. And then the other thing, of course, that I think most of us are scared to death by this, but I couldn't jump out of an airplane. I could do that. There's no way. You could? Mm-hmm. You don't like roller coasters, but you could jump out of an airplane. Right. I, I don't like roller coasters, but I, I adore driving fast cars 
at crazy fast speeds. And it's I like to drive fast. It's because I'm in control jumping of on that. an air but jumping on an airplane, you're uh, out of control. No, you're totally in control. You're deciding. You you could back out and say, I'm not doing this. Whereas a roller coaster, you were strapped in and you were in for the ride. They're not stopping that thing midway through and saying, okay, Kevin can get off. I could be at 20,000 feet and go, you know what? I changed my mind. That is so wild to me. Yeah. Shows you how different all our fears are. I couldn't bungee jump either. No way. I could, I could do that. I could do, it would take me a minute to get comfortable with being on the platform, <gasps> oh. but I could do it. Oh, because, I just get sick again, just thinking about it. I could it. always go, I could back up, take off the harness and go, I'm out. And I would have no problem doing that. The peer pressure, the heck, Kevin can't do it. That would not bother me. It's the whole idea of being strapped into something and someone else is in control of my destiny that scares, scares me to death. The clown thing is related. I guarantee you. Talk to a therapist. I'm not talking to a therapist. I'm scared of them, too. You talk to a therapist. <laughs> Ask them. Are your kids ready to go back to school in person? How about you, Mom and Dad? How are you feeling about it? <laughs> One of the many little worries that parents are feeling is, are my kids socially ready hmm. after an entire year at home? Seven in ten parents worry their kids have forgotten how to interact with other children after being home during the pandemic. According to brand new research, parents are concerned about everything from manners conversation skills and making sure their kids aren't awkward around others Uh, but i say after like the first week kids are so resilient it'll all come back to them they'll be fine i think that that worry is misplaced and most kids the the job that's going to be difficult this year is teachers getting them to settle down and zip it because they're going to be so bent up and ready to interact with all their friends they haven't seen in so long right it's going to be a gab fest Think about this for just a minute. Coming up, what's your ideal way to celebrate your birthday? Imagine your ideal birthday. What does it look like? Quiet dinner at home, big party, maybe a trip. Gene Elliott is from Charlotte, North Carolina, and he decided to celebrate turning 95 years old with a party at his local skating rink. Roller skating. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, he still loves to skate. He's been roller skating since he was five years old and loves it. Back in the day, they started, they would skate to organ music. Uh, his life hasn't always been this happy. He hit a dark spot 15 years ago when his beloved wife died. Married 57 years, and I've never seen anyone that, that could take her place. But he got Aww. back into roller skating, and that's been a source of joy for him. In <laughs> fact, he plans on celebrating his 100th birthday at the exact same roller skating rink. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a great guy. Well, he, he's been on a roll his whole life, so. But um bump. Why stop now? I love that guy that's roller skating on his birthday. Let's talk about that, about growing old and keeping that spark going. We're going to talk about it next. I love the story of the guy, 95 years old, celebrates his birthday going to the roller rink. Yep, that's what he's been doing his whole life. And uh, and you live 95 years, there's no way it's been all sunshine and roses. 95 years, you've had some ups, you've had some downs, right? Life will throw a lot at you in 95 years. But that guy obviously still has, he still has like that spark that keeps him going. It reminded me of something that I I read this morning. I was like, I'm going to write that down because... It was just so good. It said, step into the world each day and create your own masterpiece. And I thought, that guy's doing it, right? He's 90, his, what is his masterpiece at 95 years old? He's putting a smile on people's face because he's, all he's doing is going roller skating. Mm-hmm. And he wants to keep on skating. And I'm, what, what is it about people like him that they, no matter what their age is, they still have that zest for living? You know, he's not sitting in a nursing home. He's not, you know... 
clicking through the remote and you know hoping that they have the Jello he likes on the lunch tray today. He's out, you know, doing something. I think it's attitude. And, yeah, different people have different physical capabilities and stuff. So maybe it's not roller skating for everybody. It's not. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. But I think of people like my dad. He's in his mid 80s, still driving his big old truck. He's got his landscaping business going. His mind is as agile as it ever was. 85 years old. My mom, she passed away last year, but right up to the last couple of years, I mean, she was going to dances and very, very social, very active. My uh, grandmother, Boots, same way. (laughs) My favorite Boots story is when she was upper 70s, lower 80s, doctor told her, stop drinking coffee, it's going to cut years off your life. She said, okay. She kept drinking like a pot and a half coffee a day, lived to her Mm -hmm. 90s. Yeah, I think it's that whole a body emotion stays emotion. Like you just so. you just can't stop. You got to keep going. And it's not just physical though. It's emotional. It's spiritual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people that are uh, stay curious, that keep learning, that get excited about learning new things, keeps their mind agile and stuff. So, what do you think it is? What is it that gives someone like our ninety-five-year-old friend who's going roller skating on his ninety-fifth birthday? Do you know people like that, or what do you think? What is it? about people like that that keeps that spark going every day of their life. We'd love to hear from you. Here's what the Brainiacs at Harvard say. If you want to keep your mind young, fresh, and agile, no matter what age you are, they're saying stay physically active, get enough sleep, don't smoke, have good social connections, limit alcohol to no more than one drink a day, and eat a Mediterranean-style diet. Yeah, I've heard all of those before. I've also heard that hanging out with younger people really helps your brain Hmm. because it helps you stay open to new ideas. Otherwise, if you're just hanging out with your same old friends and you're all growing old together. Yeah, there's no growth in yelling, get off my lawn seven times Exactly. (laughs) But you asked earlier, what do you think has that spark in people? And I started to think about it. I looked at people like my grandma, Bessie, and my mom, and my dad. And my, my dad's got this hilarious, dry sense of humor, even though his body is completely broken from multiple sclerosis. So he can't exercise. Mm. He can't read a book. He can't do anything other than lay in bed. But he loves to go tell people about his faith. And I, I think that's the key. I said earlier it was attitude. Mm-hmm. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's faith. I read this morning that the reason faith is so important for the follower of Jesus is it helps us to truly learn about God and his loving heart towards us. And then when we know his character, we trust his character and that he's guiding us. When things come up like pain, we don't understand, like, why is this happening or things that we just can't grasp? That's when we can go back to who God is and how much he loves us. And it gives us that peace that passes understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I look at people like my grandma and my mom and dad, and they have that spark. Mm. It's the faith, you know, that gives them oh, a good yeah. attitude. Yeah, that'll definitely, definitely do it. Everybody from their wedding day, they've got that story that they tell over and over. Like Kevin has one, I have one. We've told you guys that many times, but this mm-hmm. is one Paul and Julie who fell in love and got married in Philadelphia will tell for the rest of their lives. They got through a beautiful ceremony, best day of their lives. They get to the reception, and it's time for their first dance. Okay. And they wanted to dance to uh, Matthew, uh, to uh, Dave Matthews' song, Stay. Okay. And Julie was having time of her life. She went a little hard, and Paul dips her back, and right away she knew something was bad, something was wrong. She dislocated her knee. She was wearing flats. She's never had knee problems in her life. The ambulance comes, takes her and her groom to the hospital. 
And first set of meds didn't work. They had to sedate her with a whole different second set of meds. <laughs> they spent their. They finally got back to the reception with her all loopy from the meds for the last dance. <laughs> she was very grateful to all her friends that they went ahead and partied without her because that's right. what she would have yeah. wanted. They spent their honeymoon night with her husband by her side and her mom on a cot outside the room because she had her mom's a nurse. And Julie had gotten so sick from the pain medications. <laughs> that was their honeymoon night. And they never dreamed that that's the story they would tell. But yeah, who does, that's right? exactly what happened. So if you are getting married soon and you're planning on dancing, you may not want to go at it quite as hard as Julie did. <laughs> Only thing I thought of is that if that would have been my wedding and remembering the cast of characters that were our wedding party, they would have tied cans to the ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would have pulled away dragging cans, just married, spray painted on the back. So our producer Griffin, this is when we check in with him. And, you know, he's very open about being an introvert. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the most introverted people I've ever met. Yeah. No well, doubt. he stepped out of his comfort zone the other day when the cashier at the grocery store said, how are you? He usually just says, good. He said, Good. How are you? Ooh. And he got more than he bargained for. <laughs> We're going to hear the story next. Griff, I cannot wait to hear this story because Taylor was saying, like, and I agree, you're one of the most introverted people we've ever met. Yeah. You, uh, you responded to the lady that said, how are you doing with good? How are you doing? And you got more than you bargained for. So what happened? Yeah, I, I usually, you know, if they ask me that, I just say good. And, and it is there. They get they get the idea. Like, yeah, hey, I really don't this guy really is talk. not talkative. Sorry, very very clear message. Yes, yeah, so not I'm, here for the conversation. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be mean. That's just how I am. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but the one time, for whatever reason, I was feeling good, and I <laughs> respond to the lady, feeling she, confident, she, feeling extroverted. Yeah, I was feeling extroverted in the moment. And you said, and I said, good. How are you? And she says, well, just a couple hours ago, my car burned up in the parking lot. It's totally gone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're expecting to hear, oh, I can't wait to get off work, whatever. It's been a good Here, day. A beautiful whatever. day outside. She's like, no, my car just burned up. And I'm just speechless. I'm like, what? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> that stinks. Uh, I guess I'll say a prayer for you. Like, She's like, but it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. It's all good. It's all good. And I was like, all right, well, have a good day. <laughs> Have a good day. That was it. Can't get any worse. I didn't know how to respond in that situation. So many levels of introvertedness. Right. Like, why? I wasn't did I ready say? for that. I just wanted her to say, "I'm having a good day too," or whatever. But no, Our my good. car burned up. I, I didn't even ask how. This I don't, was you coming out of your comfort yeah. zone, and she jumped multiple levels. Multiple on. levels. Wow. Oh, that story! I mean, makes I feel bad for so her. That's hard. quite yeah, the situation. It's terrible. Yeah, you you just kind of said, "Have a nice day." I took my change and said, "Have a good day." <laughs> and I realized it's like I shouldn't have said that. She's not having a good day. Her car just burned up. <laughs> I, this story, in a way, makes me so sad because I'm so proud of you that you were feeling yeah. extroverted, you were feeling zone. fancy, and you did it, and it just like backfired. Back be the last and now time. you're gonna go back <laughs> yes. into your little turtle shell. Yes. Yes. What am I? Look, I'm Jake from State Farm here. <laughs> Why are you telling me this? <laughs> what would you do, Mom and Dad, 
if uh, you got a note from your child who was off at camp that said, Dear Mom and Dad, I miss you. I wish I could be with you. How much longer till you come and pick me up? You'd send them off for what you thought was going to be a great visit at a camp over the summer, and that's the note you get. That happened to somebody that you know. We'll talk about who it was and how they dealt with it next. So I remember we when we sent our daughters off to summer camp, had a blast. Could not wait to go every summer. Um, my camp experience, we went to a couple of day camps, and they were kind of okay. I'd have rather been home with my friends. Um, did you go to summer camp when you were a kid? Yeah. I did when I was Good in experience. third grade. It was very traumatic. <laughs> was it really? Yes. I felt like my, maybe it was me being overly sensitive. Now that I'm older, I can look at it differently. But in my mind, I had the meanest camp counselors ever. <laughs> they yelled at us and I just. Were you guys, I, were you guys hard to handle? Were there things going on that. I didn't that, think did so. Did y'all deserve it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I was like, I mean, I've always been the middle child kind of people pleaser-ish. Uh-huh. So I don't see why I would tr- try to cause trouble. Okay, well, uh, Jenna Bush, her little girl, I think she's like seven, eight years old. She went off to camp and she sent a letter home and it said, Dear Mom and Dad, I miss you. I wish I could be with you. P.S. Daddy, how much longer till you pick me up? Oh, I miss you so much. This is the one that got her. And it's, if your child sent you this letter, you would probably... Drop everything you're doing and go pick them up. I need to stop crying. <gasps> so, goodbye. I miss you terribly, Mom and Dad. No. As a parent, Ugh. if your kid was off at camp, oh my gosh. That would, would just you, rip would your you, heart yeah, out. What do you do? I mean, part of you will like wants to say, okay, let, we're, we're going picking her up tonight. Yeah. But then there's another part of you. It's like, no, this is part of learning, part of like spreading your wings and flying. Right. And if mom and dad always pick them up. Now, I have made that drive. One of my daughters, I had to go and pick up a camp one time, but it was like a weekend thing with a youth group and she got sick. Mm, and I had oh, to, that's a big deal. I, I had to drive. I left home at like 11 o'clock at night. Didn't get to the where she was until like 2.30 in the morning. Got home at like 6 a.m. Had to drive all night through the fog and these twisty, turny backwoods roads to get to this camp. So I did that because she was sick. But this is different. This is just emotional. Like, I miss you. Please, can I come home? So we should say what we would do, and then we'll, you'll tell us what Jenna did? Yeah. Is that what we yeah, want to yeah, do? Yeah. Okay, that, that, so what would you do if you got that letter from your kid when they're off at camp? Would you just drop everything and, and go, go get, get them? them? Boy, that pulls at your heartstrings. The letter we just shared, Jenna Bush, uh, her little girl off at camp and sends home a letter. Mom and dad, I miss you. How much longer till you pick me up? I can't stop crying. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Everything that will make a parent want to drop everything and go pick them up. This little daughter, she started like right when they dropped her off. She's like, Mommy, don't cry. And she said, I'm not going to cry, Mila. And she said, Mommy, I have sunscreen in my eyes. And that's how she was trying to hide her tears. And it was actually hubby um, Henry that was the softy. Dad goes, should we just go? Should we just go get her? And Jenna said, no, she's fine. She'll be fine. So it was dad who wanted to go rescue his daughter. They did not go pick her up. But this reminds me, it, it never gets easier. Even as your kids get older, it's the same. I have a friend... Her daughter is a teenager, and for the first time ever, she's going to be away from her family for eight days, and she's going to see her dad on the other side of the country. And every time she brings up the subject, she starts getting choked up. No kidding. She's like, I. Huh. 
She goes, she was away from me when she went on a field trip to D.C. like overnight, but she was with teachers and friends and I felt like I know the people, but she's going (laughs) with my ex and his new wife and I don't feel like I know these people and yet I have no control. And they have, they have eight days to spoil her like I can't. Exactly. <laughs> She's going to like them better. I can't have that. She said one of two things will happen. Either she's going to have the time of her life and just be like, "Mom, that was the best trip ever." Or she's going to she's teenaging hard as my friend oh. calls it. So <laughs> no her more. her dad will be like, "Oh my goodness, gracious. What is this? <laughs> right. What happened to my little girl?" Right. We're going to try to get her a, a flight home quicker than eight <laughs> full eight days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but man, it's so hard on parents when you're apart from your kids. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.